What's up, everybody? Welcome to the pandemic episode. This is going to be one of many corona-induced quarantine vlogcasts, I imagine. This is episode number 41 of the Solve for Why vlogcast. As you can see, I'm joined by a new face, the man behind the camera, Conrad Simpson. He is not Chin. He is an extension of Chin at best. How's it going, man? What's up, Bert? You know, just trying to get through these hard times. Right. I got a sniffle. I uh, I had a little bit of a sore throat for a day, and that was enough to scare Chin away. He's now hibernating. Um, I actually have to tell the story because I just think it's hilarious. So I texted the group yesterday, and I self-diagnosed myself with strep because I get it all the time. And like strep isn't that big of a deal. It's just a <clears throat> strep is the clinical term for the the bacteria that. Uh, infects your throat, whatever. What is strep really called? It's like streptococcus or something <laughs> like that. I can't pronounce it. But, you know, I I don't feel like I've felt in the past when I've had strep, which is like a really painful sore throat, like can't even swallow. I tend to get fluish symptoms with it where like uh, I'll just get fevers and cold sweats and all this stuff. Don't have any of that, right? I just literally had a sore throat. But, you know, we're in the, the time of uh, panic so, of course, I just go to what the worst case scenario could be because I don't have any symptoms of corona. So, I text the group that and Chin's like, stay away from me. It's like, we live in the same house. Like, and we've been on the road for a week. Anything that I've touched, you've touched. Like, if, if you're going to get sick from whatever I have, you're going to get it. I got it from Corey. Like, you're going to get it. Yeah. And he's like flipping out, basically saying like, you know, I'm not sitting across the table from you while you just speak into my face. So it's been, you know, 36 hours now since I first had it. I woke up this morning, no sore throat. But God damn it, do I have the sniffles. So like I 100% have some sort, of, some sort of annoying cold that like everything smells like snot. And uh, maybe I'm dying. Maybe this is my body's reaction to COVID-19. I'm not sure. It sounds rough. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. I, honestly, I will admit like I'm a super big baby whenever I get sick. I don't get sick often. Um, so when I do, something as simple as whatever I have now, which is very likely just a cold, mm -hmm. uh, shuts me down for days. And if I'm that big of a baby. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> but the reason I told that story, I, I deviated. The whole reason I told that story, right, was, you know, he had a fair point. It's like, yeah, you're probably going to get sick if you do the vlogcast with me. You know what I mean? Like, you're also probably going to get sick living in the same house as me. I don't know. But as I was going to bed last night, I walk past the sauna room. And I go to turn it on for the morning, uh, you know, particularly when you're sick, uh, heat stress does a lot to flush out bacteria because it's, it, it mimics a fever, okay. right? So like I've been really hitting the sauna hard for the last three days, like hour, hour and a half uh, through intervals. And I look and it's already on. I'm like, well, that's strange. It's midnight. So I text Chin. I go, you getting in the sauna? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well. You may have missed science class, but that sauna is a fucking Petri dish right now for sickness. I've been in there sweating in the porous wood for three days. Like anything I have, you are going to get. I mean, you might want to go in a hazmat suit. And he just goes, I'll wipe it down. Have you ever seen Chin wipe down anything? No. <laughs> like I imagine that like he spit on a rag and gave it like a once over and then sat on a towel and thought that made him like impervious to anything that was in there. Like... I blew my nose in there. I sweat. I mean, I sweat in this sauna, like puddles and puddles of sweat everywhere. So uh, Chin's dead. 
for all those who are inquiring. He is laid up in bed. I'm certain he's probably sick and just isn't telling anybody at the moment. It's true. Um, he'll have a cold. Who knows if we'll get him back. We'll see in the upcoming weeks. <laughs> um, all right. So we have a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack, obviously. But before we dive into where we've been, current events, everything else, I kind of want to like, you know, get a little bit of who you are, why you're here, what your backstory is. Oh, uh, how did I get here? Well, that's an interesting one. So in February of 2018, I decided one random morning that I was going to come to Vegas. I just packed my things, packed two bags, and got on a plane that next that afternoon. And for those of the people out there who don't know you, that's like the most Conrad thing that you could possibly do. You have no idea. Yeah. So, not much thought. <laughs> not much thought at all. So I just packed a couple bags, came out here, and you actually I've been friends with Chin forever, obviously. And you guys were having an academy that week. Or like the week after. Yeah. So I played for a couple of weeks, went broke obviously. And came to the academy that following week. And Oscar was also in that, which is another good friend of mine. Yeah, so this was like March of last year. Oh, two years ago. Oh, yeah, it's 2020. So I came to the academy, and I didn't want to leave. I loved Vegas. I fell in love with Vegas. I fell in love with everybody here, and I just didn't want to go anywhere. Was it because you were out grinding the strip 3 a.m. every single night? No. It's not because of that. I it's kind of because of that. I get to play poker anywhere. You know that, right? I wasn't talking about poker. Uh, you were in the club every single night, dead ass broke, found a way in every single night. You found a way to sit into a one, three game, dead ass broke. You do have a good point <clears throat> there. You, you certainly have <laughs> this way about you that allows you to get by on zero resources. I'm very outgoing and I, um, I make a lot of friends. People like me. Sure. <laughs> Networks are very important, obviously, uh, as people will definitely come to understand during a pandemic. Uh, when you run out of TP, <laughs> you're going to need that good friend who can spare a square. It's true. You know. Um, so, okay. So you've been in Vegas for two years. You uh, kind of like just started doing miscellaneous stuff for us mm -hmm. to pay rent and get by. Uh, that has then evolved into you kind of being the guy behind the scenes in the vlogcast. You want to talk a little bit about uh, what that journey has been like and where you're at currently? The journey has been fun. You know, starting off, I could barely use a computer probably before I even started editing. Yeah. Like when it comes to like using editing software or any software, I didn't know anything. Yeah. So it's been a long journey. It's been not, I couldn't say hard, just time consuming for the most part. And you also have to juggle like these DJ um, lifestyles that you ha I have. So it's like hard editing. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Because as a boss, that's the part that I struggle with the most. Like for anybody with a critical eye who goes back and watches the previous 40 episodes, you will find a glaring error in almost every single one of them. And I mean, like some of it is, uh, some of it is creative where it's like it's not up to my standards as far as like taking the creative path. But a lot of it is just sheer and utter oversight on mechanics. And most of that is due in part to the fact that you're literally never doing one task at a time. Yeah. Um, I'm a multitasker. You I, think you're a multitasker. Well, I try to be a multitasker, you sure, know. It's, sure. I have ADHD. I'm all over the place, you know. It's kind of hard. Okay. Conrad's <laughs> the poster child for everything that you shouldn't do in pursuing a career in poker or life i don't know about that <laughs> i think taking risk has a lot of benefit and i think that there's uh a lot of reward for those who are willing to stick their neck out on the line you just seem to have this desire to almost self-destruct through the risk 
where it turns into a situation where like you won't accept any level of success. So case in point, you want a circuit ring about a month back. You and your boy Corey. Shout out to Corey, our marketing our marketing manager. Uh also want a circuit ring. That was fun. The difference between the two of you is that he has spun that up into a legitimate bankroll that allows him to play pretty much any game he wants. You, on the other <laughs> hand, if I'm not mistaken, are still trying to convert points on ACR into a $1 free roll. It is true. It is true, unfortunately. Um, I didn't have all of myself in that little circuit wing ring. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm very bad at calculating my risk. Like I just go for it every time. Like right after that, I was playing five ten the next night and yeah, yeah, it's something I'm trying to work on with a, with a bankroll that wouldn't be sufficient for two, two, maybe not even one, two, not even one, two. I had two bullets going into that. Right. So there's this thing that I showed you. It's called gambler's ruin fallacy. Mm -hmm. And effectively is the demonstration mathematically that if you continually compound your risk, eventually you'll land at 100% ruin. And basically all it's stating is in simple terms, if you have a proper bankroll for say $1, $2, but you decide to take a shot at 2.5 and that shot's successful. And now you have a proper bankroll for 2.5 but you begin to lose all the way to the point now where your bankroll justify or, or signifies that you have to drop to one, two, otherwise your risk of ruin is inevitable and you choose not to lessen your risk. So as basically your resources become more and more depleted, if you take on the same amount of risk that you've been taking on, your ruin then grows to certainty. And this is why you're perpetually broke. The risk is so great And it's so compounding because no matter how much of a reward you get, you continually just add on to the risk side. Mm -hmm. You'll always go ruin, right? There's just too much variance in be it poker, life, or anything in between. So that's been a very difficult maxim for me to, I guess, like transpose on to you. Yeah. um, (laughs) Let me tell you something. I've come a long way. Have you though? Yes, I have. How so? You have no idea how bad I used to be. I used to be a Manny, right? Okay. And I would, during the day, I'd be a Manny, whatever, do my duties. And at night, second I got off, I would go to games around New York City or deal. Okay. Do that till like seven o'clock in the morning and then do it all over again until I had enough time for I can go to AC and go gamble there in some type, way, shape, or form. That actually sounds way, way more stable. You actually have replenishing income. So it's like when your shots fail, you still have a chance to replenish your ability to shoot again. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's been my life, though. Kind of, in one, yeah. in one way or another. Like, yeah. I just always felt that there will always be more shots to fire, and that's why I am so loose when I fire. Yeah, I guess the problem with that is, or with the problem with that mindset is that there's a certain uh, minimum... Uh, cost of living that you have to meet mm-hmm. and it's becoming more and more difficult in today's economic climate to just meet that cost of living through you know just being okay at anything so i always had dealing to fall back on right especially growing up um i dealt 
a lot of big games in North, North Jersey and New York where I made shit loads of money. It doesn't even make sense to how much money I made a night. Yeah. We're talking about like 2K a night sometimes. Yeah. And it's just absurd. Um, so I always had a bounce back. Like there was always a trampoline underneath my feet. And right. not, not only that, I came from a decent family. Like whatever. My mom yeah. was a pediatrician and yeah. Um, so I always had a trampoline underneath my feet. So no matter how hard I fell, I'm always springing right back up to the top at some point. Do you like, find that to get more challenging as you get older? You know what? I do agree with you. It probably is getting harder as time goes on in life. Because I used to be able to deal and make absurd amounts of money every night. So it didn't. nothing mattered in life. Yeah. <coughs> I'm dying. See? COVID. See what you did to me? Mm. Um, nothing mattered in life. So I was always able to spring back. That makes sense. Um, so we recently took a trip to Austin as a team nine of us i believe uh you were in charge of basically vlogging this entire trip that got a little bit disrupted through your late hours of play did you see how good those games were yeah they were nice those games were absurd we're talking about one two five plo tables with like 30 grand on it yeah yeah those those were nice i played in two stream games that were supposed to be five ten and five five and i think collectively between the two there was well over 100k on the table possibly closer to 200k yeah. um i won a lot <laughs> in those two streams an absurd amount in those two streams uh texas card house was amazing they they really took care of us uh they you know it's it's a weird thing because it's just a storefront right so it's like i don't really know what i'm getting myself into you're not walking into like a casino or a, a an establishment dude it seems super sketchy walking up the first time yeah he's just like looking at like wait are we going to the tire shop or are we going to play some cards right this right. is weird um but just the way the the laws and the mechanics of everything uh in the in the local municipals work is like that's fine as long as you have uh you know some sort of um uh, i guess industrial property or whatever then you just i don't even know if they're licensed to be honest i'm not even sure how it works whether it's like they just turn a blind eye to it or they from actually... what from what I understand they turn a blind, blind eye to it basically and yeah. the owner of whatever the card house had to go to the city and cl clear it with them right and then went to everybody in the community yeah so That's... it's effectively like verbal permission yeah yeah so it's kind of dope though uh the setup is like 13 tables inside this storefront uh they have a nice little lounge area it's BYOB BYOB uh, you know, same thing with like food. So like their overhead's actually pretty minimal. I'm sure that they're doing like pretty well, all things considered. And they're opening two new spots in Dallas, which is a much bigger market. Um, I'll be curious to see like how their expansion goes moving forward. But I had a fucking blast. I had so much fun, man. I can't explain to you how much fun I had. And I lost so much money. <laughs> <laughs> but forget that. The games were amazing. Yeah, like, I do think you were the big loser for the trip. Think? Uh, okay, so I know you were the big loser for the trip. <laughs> I actually think you might have been the only one who lost significantly. Brian was down like a couple hundred bucks. They lost like a thousand bucks. Yeah, uh, and I think Corey and Andy may have like been they, around the break even. They both won. Okay, so like you, you and Brian, uh, solved for Bri, lost a little <laughs> bit, but generally speaking, great trip. Um, started off a little rocky. We went to dinner as soon as we landed, and uh, you chin. And Joanne. And Joanne all decided that you were going to go grind. Yeah. So the setup was we had a house a 
gorgeous house. It was pretty. We had a four-bedroom house on a golf course for the first three nights. And, you know, I basically emailed everybody options of, like, what houses would you prefer, yada, 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 right? So this house had uh, five beds, two couches, and two air mattresses. So enough space for everybody to sleep, but obviously not enough beds to go around. Yeah. Uh, Well, the three of you went to go play. Hunt got in super late the next day, and Corey... um, Corey was, was sick, so... Right, he was coming out of the ER because his blood sugar had dropped to, like, nothing. Yeah. And uh, he needed an emergency IV. So he was also coming the next day. So technically, there was only seven of us that made the trip initially, meaning that almost everybody should have got a bed. But the three of you chose not to come to the house. So that left the four of us to decide who's sleeping where. And it's just like, we're all going to take a bed. Why wouldn't we? It's true. Seems insane that any one of us would be like, all right, I'm going to sleep on the couch and, you know... I'll, like, s- I'll leave this one open. Right, yeah, yeah. We're just <laughs> we're gonna leave the master bed open for Chin because because I guess he thinks he deserves it. So I was pissed because we didn't get we were on Vegas time transferring to Austin, right? So it's two hours ahead. So I didn't fall asleep till like three thirty, which would naturally be one thirty Vegas time. Yeah, I get a call at seven a.m. and it's Chin at the gate, unable to get in. We couldn't get in. It was like fucking a fortress in there. I was a little annoyed by that. <laughs> I was annoyed at the fact you guys played till 7 a.m. I was annoyed at the fact that I'm the one having to play daddy dearest the next morning to come pick you up at the gate. But where I went over the edge was you two walk in the house, see that's all available to you is air mattresses and couches, turn around and go get a hotel room. Right, listen, 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 listen. Let's not say you two, all right? Because my happy ass was right on the air mattress. Then he's like, I'm going to a hotel. I was like, well, fuck. There's another bed there. I might as well go too. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You, you're still guilty by association. No, I'm just taking along for com- comfort, and it's right next to t- Texas Card House. But that two hour or that hour ride from the Airbnb to the hotel was the best thing ever. <laughs> you're gonna see some of it in the vlog, but it was amazing. Chin was beside himself. Well, what really tipped him was that uh, nobody wanted the master bedroom because it had a couch in it, so it should have been a shared room. So myself, Andy, and Brian all took smaller rooms that were lone and took a bed. That left Chris, young Chris, convoluted convalinka, to have the master bedroom all to himself. Man, it was such a nice bedroom, too. It was very nice. Did you so see bathroom. Did you see the bathroom? Yeah. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Backyard was sick. Hot tub, pool, fire pit. The works. The works. You guys wouldn't know. You would never I, stayed there. I spent four, maybe two hours there. Yeah, max. tops. Um, so, yeah, that that mm. was funny to me, I guess. I'm just going to keep going off about how soft Chin is. Like, this shit is so soft. Like, you got, he doesn't know what it's fucking like to travel with a team of 36 dudes, get put up in a fucking red roof inn where there are two double beds in a room and you're sleeping four or five to the room. Like, when you're freshman... You don't get a fucking bed. You're lucky if you get half a bed with another dude. <laughs> Most of the time, like, you're on the floor beneath half a bed with two dudes in it. It's just like, you know, grow up, man. Take a fucking couch, you princess. Trip goes on. We we then move into the float house, which I'm dying to get back to. I am so upset we did not do so much more, th- so many more things there. Yeah, I wish we could have stayed. I mean, we should have if we had known the, the outbreak was... That's on its true. way. Uh, I rushed back because we had streams to put on. We had the academy to get ready for. 
All of that's now canceled, of course, uh, indefinitely. We have no idea what's happening moving forward. Uh, you know, this this pandemic, as we we currently see it, is just one where it's like, well, there's no end in sight, yeah. and that's like kind of a terrifying thing because uh, it's not one of those situations where it's necessarily deadly, right? Like the ways that that the Corona strand is gonna impact us most is. Or it's going to be in ways that we most overlook at trying to decipher if it's a life or death situation, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to see the the impact economically way, way, way before we start to see the death tolls rising and everything else, right? Yeah. Because the only precautionary measure right now is social distancing. So, you know, find your little click, go huddle up in a house somewhere and reduce your exposure to others. And the problem with that mindset is, for myself, for you, we're not high risk groups, yeah. right? I don't have any respiratory problems. I'm in my mid thirties. Like it's not really going to be something where I find myself hospitalized or on the brink of death. It's just like a normal flu. Well, it can still graduate to pneumonia. It's just, I'm as well as yourself at much lower risk of that happening. Yeah. Therefore, like we're not going to need much treatment. And to be quite frankly, to your point, it is the flu in that regard. There isn't any treatment, right? Like when you come down with it, you basically just then start taking more preventative measures to not get pneumonia. Yeah. So you start taking Tylenol, ibuprofen, whatever for fever symptoms. You take Theraflu, whatever for uh, your, your flu-like symptoms. And then you hope to pass through it. So because of all that, because of the way it mimics a normal flu, people are largely going to underreact if they're not in a high-risk group. And that then puts a lot of strain on those who do fall into the high-risk group. They absolutely have to isolate. And I do kind of agree that the burden falls on them. They should be the ones who are more conscientious of their own health. They should be the ones that are very quick to put themselves in a corner somewhere and just like wait this thing out. The problem is we're straining all of our resources in the process, right? So whether you're choosing to socially distance or not, whether you're choosing to self-quarantine or not, what's happening nationwide is our resources are being exhausted. Toilet paper is at a premium right now. Purell's at a premium right now. All of the necessities to get through the next month, two months, six months are becoming harder and harder to get a hold of. And that's very problematic now for the high risk group. Mm -hmm. Did you see they were charging $300 for toilet paper on Amazon? Yeah, but I saw something today um, that Bezos uh, deleted all third parties that weren't Amazon affiliates trying to resell any sort of like uh, quarantine products, basically. Oh, what a great guy he is. So I saw, <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. But I, the, the article led with this guy uh, stocked up on 17,000 units of Purell. He was trying to sell them for a premium on Amazon. And Bezos came out and deleted his account and said that he would work with the federal government to prosecute bad actors like this to the highest extent of the law. So, I mean, I think that that's responsible. Yeah. Um, from him. He didn't have to do that. But I also think it makes good business sense too. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm worried about how all of this shakes out. Uh, the poker community has a little bit more luxury. It's easier for us to self-quarantine. It's easier for us self-quarantine. to... Self-quarantine. Do you understand that every limit game is running on the strip right now? It is absurd. Do you know who plays limit games? Old people. Okay. 
Who is at the highest risk? Old people. What is going on on the strip right now? Do they just not care? I think once you hit a certain age, you just hit like, I don't give a fuck. If it's my time, it's my time. Like, but that's selfish because you're going to take up a bed. You're going to take up a lot of these resources. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are, there are people who give a fuck that uh, aren't exposing themselves to this. Uh, so it's like, yeah, man, it's, it's a real catch 22. Cause like, I'm very much on the side of, I'm not going to let this disrupt my life that much. But I also am on the side of, well, we need to figure out a happy medium where the resources are most available for those who are most in need. Mm -hmm. And collectively, we're all going to have to figure out a way to do that as a society because this isn't a United States problem. It's not even a North American problem. It's a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And it's something where, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic that this may be what collectively brings us all together. Not global warming, not... Uh, the 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 um, dilution of fossil fuels, not like any of these other global crises, hunger, shelter that are staring us in the face, not environmental shit, nothing. No, but it's the flu that is ultimately going to bring us to the brink of an apocalypse. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I'm very concerned. I'm concerned economically what this is going to mean for a lot of people who find themselves in that bottom half. I don't even want to say, like, you know, with a lot of other things, it's like, okay, the people who are worst off, the lower, say, 10% of people are going to be really bad off. Um, but this is one of those things where the effect, it just ripples so much higher. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It might be like the bottom half of the world is going to struggle to get basic supplies. Yeah. And now all of a sudden when, like, basic needs aren't able to be met, we're seeing small businesses shut down by the day. Uh, it's going to cause bankruptcy across the Across the nation, for that's, sure. That's what I was thinking about today. Like, how many small businesses are going to shut down because of this? If this goes on for, what, a month, two months? Yeah. Like, how, mu how many really have the cushion right. to... I mean, like, we're doing okay, but, like, if this were a six-month-long pandemic for us, like, there's a good chance we don't survive. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's, like, particularly when it's not a need, right? Now, don't get me wrong. You can make an argument that, like, entertainment is uh high up there because especially in times like uh, this of isolation the entertainment and the arts go way up but at the end of the day like if it's not a fundamental need it's going to start to get cut immediately and we're going to see a lot of small businesses restaurants bars uh you know basically anything that falls under the realm of social is just going to immediately start falling by the wayside and I mean, there are little things that we can do to, to help relieve this problem. If, if you have the ability to be generous, finding the proper outlets to donate to is very helpful. Um, you know, if you're ordering out food or having deliveries sent your way, whatever, just like going the extra mile and tipping uh, goes a long way. If you're an actual employer yourself and you have the means to do so, like continually to pay your employees while you're on leave goes a long way. But like at the end of the day, it's going to be Amazon and Google that survive. Yeah. No one else. Man. That's a scary thought. How does every how does life get built back after such a like thing? Like, if we see hundreds, no, I'm sorry, hundreds. If we see thousands of small businesses just shut down, mm -hmm. like, how does life come back? Well, unfortunately, in the capitalistic market, there's an old axiom: when there's blood in the streets, buy real estate. And essentially, what that saying is like: when there's utter pandemonium find like find your liquidity and invest it in uh that which is most in need mm -hmm. right so 
that comes from like the turn of the revolution when uh, housing was the number one need and concern as we moved into an industrialized society. So it's tough to say what that commodity is now. Um, by and large, housing will always be there, right? It'll always be something that survives a lot of this pandemonium, mm -hmm. but it's also been a heavily inflated market for decades upon decades. So there's a solid chance we could see a crash there as well, or at least a bubble of sorts. Um, but yeah, if we lose like a lot of small businesses, unfortunately it's going to create opportunity on the backside. And uh, the reason I say unfortunately is because the people who are in position to capitalize on that are the conglomerates, right? It's, it's the Amazons and the Googles and the Facebooks of the world who just have stockpiles of liquidity mm -hmm. that they can now kind of capitalize on branch out into. And it's scary because, uh, when we trust government to regulate, the 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 market if you will um we do so with the idea of preventing bad actors but in this instance they're just kind of opportunist right they're see the world's a fucked up place you work hard for i don't know your whole life you build, you have a little small business and a flu a right flu comes and wipes everything out it's variance man and now it, what it's variance and, and it also speaks back to what I brought up in the, in the onset of this podcast, the idea of the gambler's ruin fallacy, where you reach a certain level of complacency with the risk that you're taking on, not recognizing that it's exponentially growing. And eventually something as simple as a flu can ruin you. Now, I'm not trying to put blame. Like, obviously, people could never predict something of this sort. Of course. And uh, most of the small businesses that are going to fail, it's just going to be a byproduct of not having any means to circumvent this, right? Um, but the innovators are going to be the ones that that climb their way out and and see. I hate to sh I hate to frame it as see an opportunity because like the last thing you want to be is capitalistic in a time like this, right? We all need to be more giving. We all need to be more supportive to one another. We all need to ensure that like uh, we we raise and elevate the bottom rather than try to step on their heads to get to the top. But the innovators are going to recognize that new problems are forming. And there's a lot of opportunity to solve those problems and skyrocket to the top. So I think it just becomes kind of an arms race of, uh, you know, predicting what the fallout is going to be, anticipating what those new problems will, will potentially be, and then starting to find solutions uh, that will help kind of catapult people in, in the long run. And one of, those, one of those may be being able to anticipate uh, a lot of small businesses going out of business and facilitating a way to help, I, I guess, like propel them through this or help rebuild them once uh, once the, the, the pandemic is over. This is this is scary, man. Like It doesn't I, end, though, right? It's an infinite game. It's not like this wipes out the world. Yeah. This could just redistribute a lot of societies the way that we know them to be. So... You know, there's a fear that the dollar crumbles and when it's all said and done, we're no longer the, uh, the, the economic power of the world. Talking about things crumbling. You seen Bitcoin recently? Yeah, man. I got my fingers in there. It is. It's, I'm optimistic. I feel good about it. I, I don't know why. I just think that, uh, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to speak on it. Um, but even at 5,000, I've done very well. Uh, and I think that there is a bright future for it, but 
that's certainly not investing advice. I, I don't know <laughs> nearly enough. I'm just fascinated by blockchain technology and I think that it does have a use case in the long run. Uh, we just haven't figured out what that is yet. We got some interesting weeks ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, lot of online poker. That's amazing. Yeah. What is up with WSOP? We just... See an opportunity, you, you strike. Blood man. in the you streets. Strike. Yeah, <laughs> Blood in the streets, you run an online event. I'm so excited for that. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, this will be the most online I've played probably since 2010. Maybe even longer than that, to be honest, because by 2010, I was like weaning off. But yeah, 18 days, uh, circuit events. It's like, I think it's something like, th- I don't want to overshoot my shot here. I, th- I think it's like 3 million in guarantees, but it might be more. Um, Three million sounds about right. I know that they're running a 1K high roller every single day, which is pretty dope. I don't think it's every single day. Yeah. Are you sure? I yeah. didn't see it on schedule for today. Danielle tweeted it. I saw a 500 on schedule for today. Oh, uh, maybe she just said a high roller then. Okay, yeah, because I saw a 500 and 250. Okay, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's not always a 1K, but it'll be some sort of bigger buy-in event every okay. single day, which is pretty fucking great. Um, it's going to be a good time to to get in, get in those streets and, and try to mash a little bit. Uh, sidebar, totally forgot about this, but I wanted to bring it up now for everybody who tried to buy swag last week and, uh, wasn't able to find it in the shop. That's my bad. We were traveling. Uh, I didn't get the, the stuff to our web developer fast enough, but if you had to solve for why academy.com now hit up that shop, we have hoodies, hats, t-shirts, posters, whatever you want. It's there. And we're going to keep doing more of this stuff uh, in the hopes that the doom and gloom of COVID is uh, quick to end. We can get back into those live streets, maybe start doing some meetup games. Hell, head back to Texas. We are going back to Texas. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. I'll tell you what, man. When I start feeling better, if it looks like uh, this isn't going to end anytime soon. Straight to the float house. I might just rent the float house out for a month. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to figure out a way to get the dogs there. I think. Just maybe drive. Just have to drive. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Did you see the bass I caught? Yeah, it was nice, man. It was fun. I'm jealous. I didn't even get to drop a hook in the water. I, I was so busy. We were there for like, I guess, at most 18 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we played super late. And then we went out to 6th Street in Austin, which was a really good time scootering. That was so much All fun. around town. You were so drunk. I wasn't drunk. You were blacked out. I'm always blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, that was a good time. Got to do a little sightseeing. Um, the scooters are great. I want one. This it's so funny. So I had to be one of the first people ever to have one of those scooters. It was like on my 12th birthday. My mom bought me one. Okay. And I fucking love that thing. Yeah, of course. 15 miles per hour, just flying everywhere. It's like a go-kart with two wheels. It's, it's the amazing. best thing ever. I fucking love those things. Yeah, it's incredible. And then when you have your squad with you. Right. Yeah, when you get that down little scooter gang. <laughs> yeah. Hook up a stereo to one of them. We'll just be rolling around. No big deal. Um, so, yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to getting back out to Austin for sure. Um, what? So, what are we going to do about... Um, a little extra content in the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure, to be honest. I was kicking around the idea of doing a, a COVID-19 vlog where we're just like all have diary cams. <laughs> we're just like laying in bed like day 19. <laughs> I can't fucking stand the sight of these people anymore. <laughs> that won't take long. I need to get to the gym. <laughs> um, yeah, I need to get back to the gym, even though that's probably like 
I don't know, not the best place to be quote unquote social distancing. A lot of pickleball for sure. Let's, let's do that. Definitely going to be playing a lot of pickleball. Um, I don't know. I, I've honestly, for me, it's a little bit of a relief. I have so much content to catch up on. Uh, I should be able to power through the rest of the free site that we've been promising for six months now. Hopes are that that will kind of flesh itself out and be ready to launch by summer. Uh, I have a course to do that I think comes out in June, um, perhaps July. I can't recall what the schedule is right now off the top of my head. But yeah, man, we're going to keep the content churning. Uh, you know, Software YTV is not going anywhere. Just the Academy's on temporary hold. Okay. So I was running up Reno, sadly. Aww. It's going to be my first one. Mine too. Actually. I'm so upset. Yeah, I'm pretty bummed. That I was looking sucks. forward to it. I wanted to take the momentum of, uh, of the card house <laughs> and just roll right up into Reno. Start mashing some people for, for some trophies. Oh, yeah. So much werewolf going on, too. Man. Oh, man. Missing out on a werewolf? That's, that's horrible. October. We'll be there in October for you sure. You think we can play like um, online werewolf? I don't think it would be fun. Yeah, sure. Right, like think about how much shouting there is yeah. whenever we're we're playing any normal game of werewolf. But that's just because everybody has to talk over you. Not me. <laughs> I'm the quiet one. <laughs> I come in with a very simple strategy. You know, you guys suck at the game. I'm very good. Therefore, oh. I'm worth a lot. You oh. should keep me alive. Oh, you're dead. First round every time. Every time. You've never made it past the first you round. Know unless, unless when Andy dies first round. No, you know when I make it past the first round? Oh, you're the werewolf. Yeah, and I yeah. win every fucking time. That just goes to show how good I am at the game. Good at the game. That's exactly what should happen. I should every die. Every time you make it past round one, you should be dead. Don't you understand that that's exactly the way a good player should play out? You die early when you're a villager and you live forever when you're a werewolf. That's the optimal strategy. It's literally the optimal strategy. <laughs> Provide as much value as you can to the villagers, then die. And then when you're a werewolf, keep going. I don't know how I made it this far, guys. <laughs> but Conrad looks suspicious as fuck over there. We should kill him. Come! Uh, I mean, that always works for you for some reason. Well, because you're suspicious as fuck. <laughs> Your commentary is like, yo, I don't know what's going on in this corner over here, but... I think that they were whispering during nighttime, and they got to be the wolf. Listen, I'm I'm pretty accurate on my assessments of the wolves. One time. All right. I think that's going to about do it for us. We're going to keep it nice and short so we can uh, hit the hay, get some rest, fade this flu. Everybody, stay safe. Stay on your grind. This is a great opportunity to study now that the games are going to slow down for a few weeks, maybe a few months. It's all come out of this thing a little better than we were when we entered it. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll be coming back. Maybe with Chin. I don't know. We'll see what's going on. He's uh, he's currently locked up in a cave somewhere. Uh, until next time, thank you guys all for watching. Peace.